Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And for them all to settle there. But you remember Gad and Reuben? And the half-tribe of Manasseh, they decided, because they had much cattle, they were like, no, this looks really good to us. We'd rather just have this land. And God said, you know what? If, if, if that's really what you want, if you're just going to be led by your eyes. And I love how the Lord allows, in his permissive will, he allows these, three and a, or these two and a half tribes, he allows them to, to do that. It wasn't his perfect will, it was his permissive will. But we also know that later on, that got them into trouble. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our study in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4. We know from Scripture that during their preparation to enter the Promised Land, two and a half tribes of Israel decided to stay in the land east of the Jordan. Although this was not God's perfect will, He allowed it as His permissive will. These two and a half tribes paid the consequences for this decision in the future. This is a good lesson for us as Christians today. By not settling in the perfect will of God and choosing His best for us, our decisions may also lead to negative consequences. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Now, last time we were together, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 3. And in that chapter, we, we saw how God had led the children of Israel, after they had been uh, taken out of Egypt, and Moses was taking them, and they were heading from Mount Sinai, you remember, and they went north, and they went through the uh, Mount Seir, and they passed the Edomites and the Moabites, and, and God brought them into the land, um, not into the promised land yet, because they were still east, if you remember, of the Jordan River, and they had some enemies to defeat um, on the east side of the Jordan, and that was uh, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. And God led them in a battle against them and was victorious. And uh, unlike uh, Edom and Moab, God told them to wipe out every single soul for Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, to wipe out every single person, man, woman, and child. And remember, that's a difficult thing for us, but God, in his mercy, he allowed for that. And there were other times where he would have them go in and do specific things, and even go into certain cities as they would conquer the, uh, the, the land of Canaan. You remember, when we get into Judges, we're going to see he would tell them to go in and, and destroy everything, but not to take any of the booty of the land, the gold and the silver and those kinds of things. They weren't to take those things, but sometimes they were allowed to. And I think God in his wonderful grace is just, he has a way of 
testing our obedience. And he certainly was doing that through the children of Israel as he was leading them into the promised land, preparing them for all these things. And so we get into chapter 4, and um, just want to show you one thing as we look at this uh, book of Deuteronomy. If you remember, when we were here before, there's an outline for this book, and it's a series of four sermons, really, that Moses gives to this new generation. Remember the old generation, the first generation that came out of Egypt? They, every one of them perished except for Caleb and uh, Joshua. And, um, and so God and, and the people, the, the young children and the grandchildren that were born during that desert wandering, but that original generation perished because of their unbelief in the wilderness. They took God and they didn't take him at his word. They were faithless and they tested him many times, several times, and God allowed them through various means, many of them to be destroyed. And then finally he waited and it took 40 years. But 40 years they finally had passed from the scene. But you'll notice that the outline here is the first sermon. We're coming to the end of that first sermon tonight. We're going to get through all the way Uh, to the end of Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 43, because in verse 44 we pick really up in the second sermon of Moses uh, in chapter 4, verse 44, onward until we get to the 26th chapter in verse 19. And and basically when uh, next week we're going to be starting what we know as the Ten Commandments. And so that's really the second sermon, if you will, of Moses as he's leading them through the desert and preparing them to go in. So we are still... Uh, We're ending this first sermon, and it's really just a historical review. And remember last week we talked about um, the wiping out of those two kings along the east of the Jordan River, and that was in preparation for the children of Israel to begin to inhabit that land. And you remember it was God's desire that they all cross over the Jordan and conquer Canaan, all that land, and for them all to settle there. But you remember Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they decided because they had much cattle, They were like, no, this looks really good to us. We'd rather just have this land. And God said, you know what? If if, if that's really what you want, if you're just going to be led by your eyes, and I love how the Lord allows in his permissive will, he allows these these two and a half tribes, he allows them to, to do that. It wasn't his perfect will, it was his permissive will. But we also know that later on that got them into trouble because they fell into idolatry And you remember in 722 B.C. when the Assyrians came, the first people to be taken captive were those two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan. They were were picked off really easily by the enemy. And, and, And it was their choice. They made a choice. Certainly they didn't know the choice at the time that it would cost them. But every choice that we make apart from the will of God, the perfect will of God, there is going to be a consequence for that. And so we always have to be thinking about that. And I would encourage you to always choose God's best, not his second best, not his third best, not his permissive will. But when you choose his perfect will, God will bless your life. And it may not be easy, that perfect will of God, but when you give your heart to it, you will be the most blessed person. And he will see to it. Because I believe that every person who is walking in the will of God is truly the happiest person on the earth. The happiest person on the earth. When you look at Jim Elliott, and he, had, he went down into South America and, and was um, ministering to the Aka Indians. I think I, those are the right Indians, the Aukan Indians. And he was killed, right? He was killed. But his heart, he loved those people. And you and I shudder at something like that. 
but God, he was following God's perfect will for his life, and that life led to martyrdom. It was no surprise to God, because he still speaks to us today of that man's obedience to God. His story lives on, and it encourages others. And it also shows the love of God burning in the heart of a soul of a man who wants to go out and to share that. And you know what? That's what I love about the Lord is when he gives you the desires of his heart, your will and his will become one. And all of a sudden, instead of you worrying, because see, you and I, we may think, well, I, I, I'm not, I don't feel called to an Amazon jungle. Well, probably not. But there are some people who do. And when they go, they want to do it. It's like... Uh, Aaron and Katie, you know, they, not everybody here has a desire to go over and minister to the Chinese, but they love the Chinese people, and they're over there, and he's going to school, and they're beginning their life and beginning to minister to people as they, as they go, and God put that on their heart, and they're happy. They're blessed where they're at. Had they stayed, they would have been stifled, but they went out of obedience. And so God now brings, he brings them through some of this victory. So let's look at verse 1 there. It says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe. And why? Why does he want them to listen to it? And here's the answer. That you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. Notice that. He's giving you. He's giving you this land. Be obedient and go in. In verse 2, he says, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it. And why? Simply because of this that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. We're not supposed to add or subtract anything from the word of God. And you see up on the screen here, this verse in Revelation, this ought to remind us of the very end of the book, the very end of the Bible, where John gives us this warning. He says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So God takes his word very seriously. You add something to it, you subtract from it, you're in deep trouble. Right? And so God is saying, I'm going to give you the commands, and I want you to consider them, do them, don't twist them, don't make them convenient for you, do exactly as I say. Because here's the thing, God knows exactly what, he, what needs to happen in our lives for us to become truly blessed. Do you want to be blessed? No, nobody wants to be blessed? Yeah, it's about, yeah, yeah, you want to be blessed. You want to be blessed big time, Right? To be blessed big time is to follow the Lord with all of your heart and to be obedient, right? Notice, he says that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you, right? Not the commandments and the traditions of men. The church is filled with traditions. And Jesus didn't have very many good things to say about traditions. Look with me in uh, Mark chapter 7. Because if you recall, Jesus, concerning the traditions of man, he didn't have anything really good to say about it at all. And in verse 1 through 13, it says, Then the Pharisees uh, and some of the scribes came together to him, having, some, having come from Jerusalem. And now when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way holding the traditions of the elders. And so there are some traditions that are actually good. 
if they, if they are traditions that hold to the word of God, those are good things. But whenever we follow a tradition or a pattern of man, and here's why God is so against the traditions of man, because they lead people away from what he told them was safe for them. I want you to know my word. Don't add, don't subtract from that. But when the Jews, which they did, they added and subtracted big time. And so the people were following the traditions of men rather than the traditions of God. And so he says in verse 4, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, speaking of the Pharisees. And there are many other things which they receive and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, they said, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said to them, Jesus said, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. For it is written, This people honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me, and in vain, their emptiness, they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other things that you do. And he said, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, What? Whatever profit you might have received from me, it is a gift. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things that you do. And so it is really important for us and for the children of Israel to take serious heed to that. In verse 3, now we're going back to, uh, uh, back to Deuteronomy. It says, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did, at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. And remember, Baal is a, uh, a deity uh, of the Canaanites, and they would uh, worship this false god. And if you remember, in Numbers chapter 22 through 24, we're not going to go there, but you remember in that Balak, the king of the Moabites, he had hired Balaam to curse or to prophesy against the children of Israel. And uh, this man was quite conflicted because he claimed to be a prophet of God, but he was soon um, influenced by money. And that was really at the heart of him, was covetousness. And so God um, told him, Balaam, you, if you, he told him not to go with him. And then finally, Balaam, playing games with the Lord, he says the second time he asked God, should I go with him? And the Lord's like, you want to go, then go. But if you go, you speak only the things that I share with you. And so you know the event that he goes, and he can only prophesy good things against uh, or for the children of Israel. And if you remember, this incident of, of, of Baal Peor was when, to no avail, the king of Balak, the king of the Moabites, couldn't get Balaam to curse him. But Balaam told him something. And we learn this through Revelation chapter 2, uh, two, verses 12 through 14. Let me read it to you because it's not written in Numbers chapter 25 where we have this event of uh, Baal Peor. But in Revelation it says this, in Jesus uh, speaking to the angel of the Pergamos, he says, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. He says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name. And you did not deny my faith, even in the days which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. And here it is, verse 14. But I have a few things against you, because you have 
you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. And he's speaking of Balaam the prophet back here in Numbers chapter 25. He says, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And this is what he did. He taught them to eat things sacrificed to idols, to Baal, and to commit sexual immorality. So Jesus tells us exactly what happened after Balak could no longer control this man. And even though he had some kind of um, he, he didn't curse the people of God, but Balak continued pressing him. You've got you know, you to curse these people. And he says, look, I can't curse them, but here's one thing you, you can do. You can invite the Moabite girls. Invite them in. Invite them, your young men, to go to their parties and, and encourage them to engage in that. And, and, and you won't have to do anything. They'll bring God's judgment upon themselves. And so you know that's exactly what happened. And so Balaam gave him this idea, hatched this plan, and it worked very well. It worked very well. And God, um, when one of these young men brought a Moabite girl right in the tent with him in front of everybody, and he had sexual relationships with him. You remember Phineas? He came with a great zeal, and he took a javelin and thrust them both through in one fell swoop. Right, And so God, um, that day... There were 24,000 people, it says in Numbers 25, that died as a result because it wasn't just this young man. There were many other men in the group of Israel that were doing the very same thing, and God, and God put an end to it. He put an end to it because he wanted his people to be separate, to be separate. In verse 4 it says, But you held fast to the Lord your God and are alive today, every one of you. And you know there's always blessings for obedience. Whenever we are obedient to God, he makes sure that you are blessed as a result. And even if it may be difficult for you, you have a peace in your heart. Have you ever had something where God told you to do something and being obedient to him meant you doing something that was hard? And you went forward and you did it anyway. And then you have, even though it was difficult, you had this sense of peace in your heart that you did the right thing. It may have challenged you right to the core. It may have gotten you out of your comfort zone. It may have gone against everything of your personality. Because some people are very quiet and introverted and God wants you to speak to somebody. It goes right against the grain of their personality. And God says, you know, I can, I can work through that. You don't have to be these guys who are, you know, down on Monroe Avenue yelling at people, telling you that God is angry with you and he wants to, you know, he's going to let you have it if you don't repent. You know, those kind of guys, you know, you got to be careful of. You wonder, Lord, is, is the Spirit of God in them when they get angry like that? God's not angry with people. He loves people. He took his judgment out on his son that he wouldn't have to pour out his wrath on them. But we speak to people. We love on them. We encourage them. Who would want to be attracted to somebody yelling and screaming at you? Is there anybody here that would be like, sign me up. Where do I sign? I want that church. Brimstone and fire, bring it on. Nobody wants that, right? Verse 5, he says, Surely I've taught you statutes and and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely, this is is the witness. This is what people are saying about them. He says, "If if if you do this, He says, people are going to say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That's the witness of the children of Israel to all the nations around them in obedience. 
And you know, God calls us to the same thing. You know, Jesus says, I want you to bear fruit and much fruit. Right? We have to abide in him. We abide in the vine. And the vine, the, sat, the, the moisture, the nutrients come up from that vine and give life to the branches. And what grows on those branches? Big, beautiful mangoes. <laughs> I had a mango tree in our yard. And my grandfather down in Florida, down on Pine Island, he, he um, had this wonderful way. We had, the, the, there was a certain mango. It was called a Kent mango. And then there was another one. And I think it was called a... Um, a Kent and a, and a Smith, I think it was, a Smith mango. One was known for its size. The other one was known for its really juicy flavor. And so what he did is he splinted two splints together from that tree, and he planted it in the earth. He watered it, and we had the best mangoes in all of Pine Island because they were big and they were sweet. They were a combination of the hy- hybrid of these two. And uh, we ate mangoes like you would not believe. And I actually developed mango poisoning as a result. I worked at a mango farm, and within, uh, you know, I could eat the mango, but the sap on it is poisonous to most people and the skin. And so you've got to be really careful of that. So anyway, my point is, <laughs> is that God wants to, he wants big, fat mangoes hanging off your vine, off your branches, right? He wants you to be fruitful, right? I'm glad you like that. Yeah, he wants you to bear fruit and much fruit, and he wants that to, to grow and develop even more in your life, right? Because that's our witness. That's what people see. When they go by, I mean, when you're, is your life a, a representation of the truth, of the gospel? You know, when people look at your life and the things that you say and you do, is it attracting people or is it repelling them? It's a good thing to ask. You know, Lord, is my life a light or is it a repulsion? Do I repulse people? Am I too legalistic? Am I saying, God is angry with you and you've got to do this? Or are you seasoned with grace and salt? You don't have to be uh, nasty. We can be truthful. You can say the truth in love, right? Sometimes the truth in love is more effective than yelling and screaming and waving the Bible at them. If they know you love them, most people will listen to you. If, if they know that you're really doing it out of a sincere heart, they will, they will respect you. And they'll be like, you know, there's something about this guy, this gal, that I, I don't know what it is, but I want it. Because how are they able to tell me something so deep and so hard, and yet I can feel the love of God in it? And to me, that's the, the mandate for all of us. And that has to be done by the Spirit of God, right? The greatest of these is love, right? Faith, hope, and love. Or faith, uh, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, right? That's the mark. Verse 7, he says, For what great nation is there that has God near to it, as the Lord our God is near to, is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. He's saying, we can come to you for any reason, Lord. We don't even need to make an appointment. We just come before you, and, and, and you, you listen. In verse 8, And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? And this is Moses saying, what nation is like this? Has there ever been a nation like that, that God would want to dwell among his people and give them righteous things? See, there are many people in Islam today who are giving their heart and their faith, and they're putting their faith in a false god, in a demon, in an entity. And because of this, the devil's desire is nothing but to destroy. And we see that on the news when another, you know, bus in Jerusalem, it hasn't happened in a long time, but buses blown up, you know, people massacred, all for the sake of Allah. And people become like who they worship. If you worship a false god, you worship a... They, they think they're worshiping God, but they're worshiping 
a, a demonic entity. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.